0: Hey, a couple of things before we uh, open up our Bibles today is one is, is that Programs are back, all right? So, uh, those of you who like to draw pictures during the message, now you have something to draw on. There should be a pen somewhere in a chair near you. um, And there's also that welcome card. So, make sure that you take a moment to fill out the welcome card. It's something we ask everybody to do each week. It just helps us to love and connect with you and care for you. And that's something that's really important to us. Let us know how we can pray for you and how we can support you. Also during the last song, there's gonna be a basket that's gonna go around and you can put that welcome card in there. There's also a box at the Welcome Center um, there when you first come in that you can slip it in there if you didn't get it in the basket. And also um, that uh, at the end, that during that last song, that basket goes by, that there's an opportunity where you can uh, give your offering during that time. If you like to do that online, on the back side of there, there's a QR code that you can scan and it'll take you there. And there's also one that tell, uh, will take you to the different events that are going on that we've already shared with you, uh, some of those. So. Um, um, so there you go. That's what's, uh, that's what's happening. Um, I want you to, if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn it open to um, the Gospel of Luke chapter 11. Uh, you can use the Bible and share in front of you or pull out your electronic device and open up your Bible app um, to Luke chapter 11. And as you're doing that, um, here's, a, here's a question for you. And the question is this, is that how's your prayer life? Now, I don't know if you've ever had somebody come up to you and ask you that question, how's your prayer life? You're like, uh, not quite sure how to understand. Not quite sure what to say about that. Because um, in general, I think that we can come to the whole thing of prayer, and there's a bit of a problem with prayer. If I, bless you, if I ask you another um, question of, uh, instead of how's your prayer life, but instead sort of shaped it this way of what's your prayer experience? And we were sitting down, you know, at the local coffee place and having a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, and you were sharing your life of what's your prayer experience that it probably would be a much broader, much deeper, much richer conversation as you shared of what your experience of prayer has been. And here's here's the thing is, is that, I believe that, that even the, the person who is, believes the least in God or believes the least in a higher power in existence has prayed at some point in their life. That, that everybody has prayed and that there's, there's something about prayer. There's something within us that longs for a greater and a deeper connection. But probably if we were to sit down in that conversation, that part of that conversation would talk about you expressing your needs and your reaching out to something greater, something bigger than yourself, and really not understanding quite how all that works. But I'm also, probably fairly likely, depending on how much you've leaned into this whole thing of prayer, That another experience that you may have had was is that prayer has been an experience where you feel like you are in a room and the walls are six foot thick lead walls. And everything that you've prayed, everything that you've wanted, everything that you have poured out and expressed your heart to God, it seems like it's just bouncing off of those walls, coming back in upon you. And you're like, I, I, I don't know what this prayer thing is. I don't know what this is about. We're beginning a new series of, of messages, a new series of talks um, called The Prayers of Jesus. And, and we're going to be looking at The Prayers of Jesus and we're starting in this place of that, if you go back to Luke 11 and in verse one, there's this encounter that uh, Luke captures there. Let me start reading there. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he's referring to John the Baptist. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And as we look at that, the series that we're coming into, the prayers of Jesus, is taking the heart of that disciple. We don't know which disciple it was, but, but it was a disciple that was observing the model of Jesus and saying, man, I want that. I want I want to pray like that. I want an experience like that. And so we're taking that heart of that disciple coming into this this series to say, Jesus, teach us to pray. Now, if we stop, just stop right there for a second. If we we look at that simple question of Jesus, will he teach us to pray? What can we learn? What can we learn from that? It's right here in this first verse, this first, second verse. Well, one of the lessons that we can learn is this. Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. That, That Jesus saw prayer as an essential part of his life and his relationship with God. That if you've read the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the the four books of the New Testament that tell the story of Jesus' life, one of the things you'll see is is there's this common reoccurrence of Jesus praying and Jesus disappearing and disciples can't find him. And where's Jesus? Jesus is off praying by himself. That prayer was an essential part of his life. So much so that his disciples observed it and said, we want that. Jesus prayed. And if we're followers of Jesus, then, you know, maybe it might be important for us to explore that, for us to understand that, for us to know what that means and what that looks like. Another lesson we can hear in this, right here in the beginning, is that the longing to pray is natural. As I said before, is that I don't don't know if you've Will have met anyone or will meet anyone who hasn't at some point in their life reached out to something greater than themselves with a longing and a desire. Even if they are a person who say they have no religion or if they have another religion, definitely if they have another religion, then there is a part of the tradition or the rhythms of all of the world's religions of reaching out to something, someone that is greater than themselves. That prayer is something that I believe because we are created in the image of God, that there is an internal desire and longing for us to connect with God, and that pathway is prayer. That prayer isn't transactional. It's not like, okay, Jesus, here I have my laundry list of things that I want and I need from you. We're just going to go through them. But prayer is transformational. It is as we engage in the conversation with God that we come to hear his voice, that we come to experience his love, that we come to deepen our relationship with God. It's probably why those times when we're in the lead box are so, so difficult and painful for us. There's a longing that we have to pray, and that's part of how God has created you and created me. But also we see within this is that the skill of prayer is learned. So the disciples says, Jesus, teach us to pray. So the longing is natural, but how we engage in that, how we experience relationship with God through prayer is something that we can learn and that we can grow in. In this series, I'm gonna be very intentional about helping us to know something about prayer from Jesus to experiencing something new within that and then to do prayer. (laughs) I'm gonna challenge you every week with a very clear and simple way to do prayer, to engage in a life of prayer. Because there's a skill of prayer that is learned and we're gonna learn from Jesus. And Because Jesus is our best teacher. (laughs) Jesus is our best teacher. Jesus had a life of prayer. Jesus had a life of connection with God. That Jesus says, I don't do anything apart from the Father. That, that there is this deep, deep relationship with God that Jesus has. I want to look at another passage, in, another book over in, in, the, in the Gospel of John, New Testament. In John chapter 12. It's a story where Jesus is interacting with the crowds, with the people around him, and he's teaching them about this deep relationship and the, the, the deep connection he has with the heavenly Father. It starts out in John 12, 44. Jesus shouted to the crowds. I love that. Jesus, you know, oftentimes hear about Jesus shouting, but here he, here he is. He's shouting at the crowds. If you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey me. For I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth that I have spoken." And then listen to this is what he says here. I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Now, there's a mystery in, in prayer, and I think that that's an important thing for us to understand as we interact with this. And, and part of the mystery you see here is that because within, within our Christian theology, within our Christian understanding of, of God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, there's, this, there's a trinity. That, that There's God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all three of them are God, but they are one. And so Jesus, he empties himself Philippians 2 tells us that he empties himself of his divinity, of of taking on the form of of a human, of a man. And the book of Hebrews tells us that he experienced all the temptations that we experience, and yet was without sin. And that he experienced humanity to the fullness of dying on a cross, and then was resurrected to new life. And yet within this human body, within his humanness, within his time here on this earth, there was this connection that he made with the Heavenly Father, with His Heavenly Father, through prayer to hear the voice of the Heavenly Father and to obey that and to live out of that relationship. Because that's what prayer is about is relationship. So what we're gonna do each week is that we're gonna learn something from Jesus. So we're gonna we're gonna learn a lesson about prayer. And then we're gonna engage in a core prayer practice. And then we're going to experience prayer. We're going to put ourselves in places where we can be in relationship with Jesus through prayer. And be open to the experience of the power and the presence of God through that. So the place for us to start, the place for us to start is what is commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer. Now, I grew up in uh, this little Methodist church in a little town in eastern Oregon, of Huntington, Oregon. The Little Methodist Church, and if you go there now, the, the church is a museum. Uh, the church itself is closed down, but they, they, they turn it into a museum, and they still have a pulpit there, and there's a mannequin behind the pulpit, because this church has quite a history, because back in the 18, um, late 1800s, it was a wild railroad town. And there was a time where somebody shot up the church. Drunk people shot, guys shot up the church. And so there was a pistol-packing pastor. He, he preached with his, his pistol on the pulpit. Now, if you go there now, I don't think the pistol is still on the pulpit. But there's the, the lore and the story is there. When I went to church there, I don't think the pastor had a pistol that he was packing. Say that all a few times, all right? So, um, but that's sort of, sort of, sort of my history in this little, you know, Methodist church. And the thing about the Methodists was, is that th- th- there's this idea of Methodism, right? There's a method, and a part of that was the liturgy of prayer. So there's this thing of the Lord's prayer that every week we would say the Lord's prayer as a part of our worship rhythm. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. Now, hold on a second here. See, there was always a little bit of confusion when you do this prayer because first it was forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then somebody updated the language and went with sins. And so you'd have to define, are we saying sins or trespasses in the prayer? And then people or people wouldn't define it. And then people would go, perhaps this is, and then it would go through. We're going to do sins. Forgive us our sins. As we forgive those who sin against us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. anybody ever pray that? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a part of scripture. It comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And it, as it was made into the liturgy of the church, of the rhythm of spiritual practice and discipline, there were a little bit of additions like that sins and trespasses, you know, thing. And then at the end, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory for, uh, forever and ever. Amen. But did you know there's a short version of the Lord's Prayer? And the short version is found in Luke 11. And you're thinking, well, what's wrong? I mean, the Bible isn't consistent. Well, here's what I would say with this, is that this is an important lesson for the disciples. So it wasn't a lesson that was said once in just one context. And so it could be a reflection of, of some different times and different places of, of teaching of Jesus about the importance of prayer. In Luke 11, verses two through four, you have the, the short version is this. This is how you should pray. Father, May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. And I want us to look at this prayer, this short version. And one of the lessons that we can learn about prayer from where somebody asked Jesus, Jesus, teaches us to pray. And this is what Jesus tells him, pray this. Well, one of the things is this. Did you notice how simple <laughs> this prayer is? Has anybody ever been, uh, been intimidated by uh, somebody else's prayer? You hear somebody pray and you're like, man, I can't pray like that. Now, when I was a, when I was a college student, I, I went first to Southern Oregon State uh, College, now Southern Oregon University in Ashland. And I was a part of First Baptist Church uh, of of Ashland. Great church, great pastor. Pastor Jerry Liddell um, was the pastor there. And Pastor Jerry loved to pray. And true confessions right here is is that as a college student staying up late on Saturday, I loved to sleep through Jerry's prayers. When Jerry prayed, when Pastor Jerry prayed, I knew this was an opportunity for me to rest. So oftentimes, I literally would go to sleep. Now, okay, anybody ever fallen asleep during prayer? I know it hasn't been mine. So, yeah. Um, thank you. So, so we, we can listen to these prayers. We go, man, I can never do that. I can never do this. And we have this sort of sense is that this is the way we need to pray. You ever heard of the, sort of the King James Version prayers, right? When Jesus said, you know, this is how you should pray, this is not what he meant. Watch this screen.
1: Carpenter is a new Christian. So, to help him pray, we've hired that super pastor guy you see on
0: TV. God. Please help my marriage. We're just really struggling right now.
1: Oh, Heavenly Father, he who has created all things makes the sun and moon rise at his command. I beseech you, take this woman that you've given to me as a helpmate and bring her to her senses that we might abide together forever in a purpose-driven
0: marriage. God, God, I'm really frustrated at work. Help me find a new job.
1: I ask you now, in this area of employment, thee who gives me the sustenance in an employer fashion, please guide me to something, if it be your will, that would bring you glory.
0: My kids are driving me crazy, and I, I don't know what to do. You just help me out.
1: You have blessed me also with many young saplings. And I ask at this day that you would help me and my helpmate to raise them in the way of your word. Amen, God. And now I end this time with you, Lord, bowing before you, giving you all that you deserve in sacrifice and in sacrament. Let it be known that the Alpha Omega is pleased. Amen. God, go. Real people, real prayers.
0: That's not what Jesus meant, all right? So what can we learn is to keep it simple. And here's a simple prayer. um, I've been over this past, um, when I began this year, I determined, okay, this is going to be the year of prayer for David because this is an area that I've been wanting to grow in. And just a a quick aside, is that each week, uh, we're going to be writing within our blog. If you go to our website, coldspringschurch.net, there's some writing that we're doing. Um, And I'm going to be writing about prayer um, leading into each week. So if you want a little bit of a heads up of what we're going to be focusing on, uh, you can go and check that out. And within this this journey of prayer, um, I was reading Philippians 4, 6. Which says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Now, that's the New Living Translation. And, and as I was reading that, is, and I've always sort of wrestled with prayer. I've known that it's extraordinarily important. But how do you do it? And I was struck by the simplicity of what Paul's words were in his instructions there. Jesus, I need. Jesus, thank you. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he has done. Simple prayer. It says you don't need King James language. You don't need all of this fluff or whatever. Do you need something in your life? Tell Jesus what you need and thank Jesus for what he has done. The other thing that we see in Jesus' prayer is this whole thing of keep God first. Do you notice the way that he starts? He says, Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. I want you to to visualize right now, okay, this this idea of following Jesus. Because simply, if if you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, then what you're saying is, is that I am a follower of Jesus. So I want you to you know, engage your visual cortex, you know, close your eyes, and imagine yourself following Jesus. Where is Jesus? He's in front. To follow Jesus is to allow Jesus to take the lead. And in this simple approach to prayer of keeping God first, a life of following Jesus puts Jesus first so that we can see his lead. And putting God first in prayer is the practice of following Jesus. We may have great needs, we might have great crisis that we find ourselves in, but this sort of gentle discipline that we see in Jesus' prayer of putting God first It reorients our focus from ourselves to God. And that's where Jesus begins with his prayer. May your name be kept holy. Hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come soon. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's about God being in the right place. And if God's in the right place, that puts us in the right place. And then keep it real as Jesus continues in his teaching on prayer, that he he talks about real needs in real life, of of don't neglect your needs. Give us each day the food that we need. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. So what do you need? What do you need in your life? Now, in Jesus' day, Daily bread was actually what people needed. A lot of the people he was talking to are agricultural-based, so it was about you know, raising the food, harvesting the food, planting, all of those sorts of things, storing the food that you were going to eat that was going to keep you alive. Or if you were a tradesman, if you were a craftsman, it was making something and selling that that day that would give you the food that you needed to be able to eat that day. That is not most of our reality one of the our mission partners, one of the people that we support within Cold Springs Church within does ministry outside of what we can do is a man by the name of Pascal who is a pastor in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And we supported Pascal for a few years now. And when we began to support him, it, it was a very meaningful and and then we upped his support. And, and Pascal is one of the most effective, most godly, most amazing, quiet, strong, full of integrity, Christian leaders that I've ever met in my life, that we send funds to Democratic Republic of Congo, to Pascal every quarter, and every quarter he sends us a report down to the dollar of where the money went. And one of the reports he sent back after we'd raised the support some, some he said, thank you so much. Now, my family can eat twice a day and I don't have to worry about working extra in order for them to eat their second meal. That's a person who the prayer, give us today our daily bread, is a reality. We all have needs as well, though. What are your needs? Jesus, I need the emotional energy to meet the stress that I'm going to meet today. Anybody have that prayer, have that need in your life? Jesus, thank you for being with me today, no matter what, because I know I'm not alone. Jesus, I need. Jesus, thank you because. The other thing Jesus goes on here, he says, don't ignore your relationships and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. To forgive, we have to know that we are a forgiven person. Did you know that? In order for you to be a forgiving person, you have to understand the reality and the depth that you are a person that has been forgiven or needs forgiveness. If we see ourselves above the need for forgiveness, we're not gonna be a forgiver. Because they're like, yeah, maybe I messed up a little bit, it wasn't that bad. And you, however, you could do a lot better. The most forgiving person is the one who has the greatest sense of their need for forgiveness. And so Jesus starts with, and forgive us our sins, forgive us my sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. That's relationship. That's our daily reality of being around and meeting people who need forgiveness. And we understand that because we know that we need forgiveness. And then don't forget the battle. Jesus continues on in his prayer for us to teach us. He says, and don't let us yield to temptation. When you read the Bible, what you come to understand is is that we live on three battlefields, three battlegrounds, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the, the, the battlefield of the world is this, is that there's a, a and, and particularly a, a, this is really, if you're one of uh, our younger people here within your junior high, high school, young adult, something that you really need to understand is, is that everything that you listen to, that you watch, and that you read, there is a worldview behind that. There is a message there is a bias that, is, that comes with that message. whether it's drama, whether it's comedy, whether it's music, whatever it is, there is a worldview that is attached to that. That is the world that we live in. And the Bible tells us that there is a worldview that has God at the center of it, and that there are a lot of other worldviews that doesn't have God. At the center of it, and if God's at the center of it, there is light. That verse I gave to you earlier about what Jesus came to do is to bring light. But if God is not in the center of it, there is darkness. And the answer is not to, of cutting ourselves off, of listening, or uh, you know, watching, or or reading anything. But it is to understand that there is a message that somebody is pushing through to you. Do you understand what that message is? Are you discerning it with wisdom and making good choices about what you are watching, listening to, and reading? Because you are in a battleground for your heart and your soul and your mind in the world we live today. The other one is the flesh. And now the the battlefield of the flesh is pretty simple because God has made us um, within our bodies this way is to maximize pleasure and to minimize pain. And you're all thinking, what's wrong with that? (laughs) Right? It sounds like a pretty good life to me. I'm like, amen. Maximize pleasure, minimize pain. And your flesh, your body, your brain is wired in order to do that. But here, have you ever noticed That moving closer, that experiencing intimacy with relationship requires risk and not a little bit of challenge and difficulty and pain? If you're going to be a good husband, if you're going to be a good wife, if you're going to be a good father, if you're going to be a good mother, if you're going to be a good employer, if you're going to be a good employee, and that if we live for Jesus, we don't shy away from pain, that there's a whole theology of the redemptive nature of pain, but we move towards it because there's a greater righteousness. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't run from the cross? See, our flesh says, cross, no way, no, thank you. Not going to do that. But the story and the example and the teaching of Jesus is a redemption within that. And so we battle that. And then their third battleground is the devil, is that we live in a spiritual world with spiritual realities. That we may not see all of them, and oftentimes we don't see the spiritual nature of things that are going on around us, but Ephesians 6 tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual powers, forces of this dark age. I love the story that's found in in the Old Testament in the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. It's a story of Elisha, and Elisha um, is somebody who spoke up for God and ticked off the governing powers over him. And so the answer at that point, still exists somewhat today, is that if you tick off the governing powers, then what they do is they just go and they kill you. They find you and they kill you. And so that's what they're going to do to Elisha. And Elisha has a a house servant um, that, that helps him out. Elisha's this great prophet. And so it starts in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14. It says, So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. You think you started with a bad day. How about that for starting as a bad day? Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Then Elisha prayed, "O Lord, Open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. And it wasn't the army of Aram. It was the army of God. And for a moment, the the curtain of heaven was pulled back, and Elisha's servant was like, "Oh." okay, we can do this. We live in a spiritual world with spiritual realities that's as real as the chair that you're sitting on right now. But we oftentimes are unaware. And that's a battlefield because Satan wants to destroy you. And he'll do it in any way he can. The last lesson here is is that we see within this story is to keep praying to keep praying. Jesus finishes this Lord's prayer, shortened version. And then he goes on and he gives another story, he gives another illustration. And in verses 9 and 10, he says, "So I tell you, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for, keep on seeking and you will find, keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be open." And the story that he tells is this man who comes to his, you know, friend in the middle of the night and and knocks on the door and wants some bread and the friend's Says no, I'm not gonna get up because I'm in bed with all my family. Um, you know, uh, you're, you're disturbing me, and the guy keeps knocking, and then finally he says, "Okay, I'm gonna get up," and and we can get from this story is like, okay, what you have to do to get God to answer prayer is you have to be so obnoxious and irritating to him that he finally gives in. But we don't understand that the context of the story is is that that Jesus tells is that it's a part of an honor culture, and that that the man responds to his friend out of his honor of doing the honorable thing, not because he's irritated. And God answers your prayers because God is honorable, because his character demands it. And here's the thing, is like, well, then God didn't answer my prayer. Yeah, he did, he just didn't answer it in the way that you want or the way that you expect, or in the time that we want. But the thing that we know of the character and the honor of God, and Jesus tells us other story you know, later, is like, you know, is a father gonna give his son a snake if he asks for a loaf of bread? No. That God is honorable. That his character will not allow him to harm his children. Keep praying. God's answering of prayer is about his character and not our perseverance. So, what do we learn from Jesus today in prayer? The thing I want you to know is this simply praying simple prayers will deepen your life with God. Simply praying. Simple prayers will deepen your life with God. And here's my invitation. Here's my challenge. Let your prayer life begin this way. Jesus, I need. Jesus, I thank you for because. Start there. The experience that I want you to have as you go into this week, and here's here's a direct invitation, direct challenge is this. As you approach prayer is this, to remember this. Pray first. Pray first. Before your feet hit the ground in the morning, pray first. Almost every morning before I get out of bed, there's one of two prayers that I pray. And one of them is called the Jesus Prayer. It's an ancient prayer; it's been around for a long time. And I added a little phrase on the end. It's Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then I added the phrase, "Desperate for grace." So every morning before I get out of out of bed, or I pray the Jewish prayer, the ancient Jewish prayer, the Shema: "Hear O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength." Thou shalt love your neighbors as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. Before I even get out of bed, when I first wake up, that's what goes through my mind. So pray first. Pray first before you eat. Pray first before you meet. You're going to have a meeting with somebody? Pray first. Now, I, I know, you know, here at Cold Springs Church, within, it's our rhythm within when we meet together as a team. Um, almost always we're praying first, we're praying at the end. And so when I go out and have meetings in the community, it sort of always is like a little weird. It's like, oh, we should pray first. It's like, well, David, you can still pray first. You can still pray first. You don't have to pray out loud. You don't have to say, uh, okay, school board meeting, stop for a second, we're gonna pray. Students in your class, you're always like, hey, stop, we're gonna pray. You can pray first. Nobody's stopping you from praying first. Pray before you leave the house in the morning. Pray before you get out of the car when you get to where you're going. Pray first before you walk in the door. Pray first before you start the meeting. How about this? Pray first before you open your mouth. Because I think you're probably going to do that sometime this week. Open your mouth. Pray first. And then lastly is to keep it simple. The do is this, keep it simple. Pray this, Jesus, I need. Jesus, thank you for, because. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. I want us to close in prayer together. Imagine that, all right? And we're going to pray Jesus' shortened version. Of the Lord's prayers up on the screen. Let's pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Jesus, I pray that we would experience the transformational experience of your presence as we begin to pray. Help us in the simplicity of our simple prayers to experience your presence and that as we share what we need that you will respond, you will answer and we will have an overflowing amount of things to be thankful for because you are faithful and you are good. Amen.